So if you hear these words, um, I have a dream, what do you think of? Martin Luther King, yeah. Or what about four score and seven years ago? Abe Lincoln, okay. How about, ask not what you, your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. JFK, right, right. All of those were messages or speeches that communicated a vision or a direction that some people felt our country needed to go. It gave us, as a country, something to look forward to. Uh, Today, I'm going to attempt to paint for you a vision for Crossroads Church, where we've been and where we are going. To start out, I want you to imagine that it was 1904, okay? Imagine 1904. If you lived back in 1904, most likely you were a farmer, unless you moved to the big city, Minneapolis, and you probably were involved in some kind of manufacturing. Um, Phones and electricity was just starting to get into every household. So again, if you lived out in the rural area, maybe you had a phone, maybe you didn't. Maybe you had electricity, maybe you didn't. If you had a phone, there was this thing called a party line. Does does anybody remember the party line? Yeah, I have very vague memories of that, but I remember stories from my parents, you know, living on the farm and being able to hear other people talk, uh, which is weird, right? Can you imagine listening to your neighbors talk? Uh, social life was very much limited to your community. You didn't just hop in a car and drive and visit friends 30 miles away. It was in your community. And often your community was filled with people who were like you. They were, you're probably an immigrant or a first generation, maybe even a second generation. And so if you had a Scandinavian heritage, boom, you hung out with other Scandinavians, right? Uh, on a side note, have, have any of you done the 23andMe DNA thing or any of the, um, the other one? Yeah, yeah. It's so funny because we did that as a family and mine is all right in that, you know, Swedish, Sweden, Norway, Finland. It's, it's all right there. Then you get my wonderful wife, Terry, and hers is just kind of like... <laughs> a little bit of everything all over the world, so... Uh, Just a little side note, but transportation, yeah. (laughs) Anyways, transportation was primarily railroad or horse-drawn carriage. Uh, Maybe, again, in 1904, Henry Ford came out with the Model A car in 1903. So maybe uh, if you were lucky you had a car, most likely you didn't. Spirituality, uh, church was the center of the community. It was the place not only where you got spiritually fed, but it was also um, your community. It was where you socialized and where you hung out with other people. Um, And many of the people that were in your community came from somewhere else. They probably left something to try to get something better. So, for example, um, as we think of 1904, um, there was something going on over in Sweden and Norway back in the 1800s. And that was, there was a little revival happening. You see, there was this group of people in Germany that started meeting, and they actually started (coughs) this 24-hour prayer movement way back in the 1800s, I know, and that 24-hour prayer movement lasted for a hundred years. Can you imagine? In fact, some of the greatest missionary movements of to, that we know of started out of this Moravian prayer movement. 
Well, some, so over time as this prayer thing is going on, people would come and be a part of that prayer movement, or, and they would be sent out and they would go to different parts of the world. <clears throat> some of them decided to head over to the Scandinavian countries like Sweden and Norway. And so there started this revival in Sweden. Now, there was this thing called the state church in Sweden. And the state church was like, yeah, you guys are getting a little out of hand here. Time to shut that down. And these people that were experiencing revival, and all they wanted to do was worship God and serve the Lord the way they wanted to, um, knew about and heard about this country called America, United States of America, where there was lots of freedom. You could, you could worship however you want. So many left the Scandinavian countries or Europe and that kind of stuff and came over here to America. We, we know all that kind of thing. But in 1904, about 120 years ago, <clears throat> There was a group of about 17 immigrants. <clears throat> they were hanging out over by Coon Lake, which is just west of here. And as they were hanging out and meeting, uh, they decided to start a church. And so they started a church in 1904. The name of that church was the Scandinavian Mission Association of Coon Lake. Talk about a catchy name. Right? That just rolls off your tongue. You can, you can develop a great logo, a great website with that name, right? The Scandinavian Mission Association of Coon Lake. They had two objectives, and you see them on, on the screen right there. Their main objectives is they wanted to maintain the teaching of the gospel, and then they wanted to maintain a Sunday school for the purpose of teaching the children the Holy Scriptures. You could say that for this church, this was their vision. This is what they wanted to make sure happened. As they looked to the future, this is what they wanted to do. Well, for this church, this year, 2024, marks its 120th anniversary, the Scandinavian Mission Association of Coon Lake. Well, it moved from Coon Lake, changed its name, and so for some of you who are new, just so you know that that church is now named Crossroads Church, and it's located right here. So we, as a church, in 2024, we, 120 years, that's pretty amazing, right? And it started out with 17 people, who had a vision for a better future. As we look to the future, it's important for us to always remember the past. We need to remember where we've come from. And so for Crossroads Church, part of our moving ahead in the future is remembering where we came from. Now, just a couple of things. I mean, in 120 years, naturally, there's a lot of history and a lot of stories, okay? And there are some people who have been here for all 120 years, like Cordell Wellman right over here. Okay, maybe not quite 120 years, but close. That's right. Uh, Honestly, uh, Cordell's dad was the first full-time pastor of... Uh, the Scandinavian Mission Association of Coon Lake. So we do have a little heritage here. But back in around 1918, uh, they decided to build a building. Maybe they decided a little earlier than that. But uh, So that year, they raised $970.60 so that they could dig a basement. Dig a hole put some blocks in. And then the next year, they raised some more money. They raised $1,614.15 so that they could 
put a building on top of that basement. So for $2,500, they had a church. Not bad, right? How about if we build a new church? Now, it may not seem like much to us, but we need to remember that the average wage back in 1918 was 50 cents an hour. So there was sacrifice involved by the people because they caught on to the vision of the Scandinavian Mission Association of Coon Lake, a place where they would maintain the teaching of the gospel and they would maintain a Sunday school for the teaching, for the purpose of teaching the children the Holy Scriptures. Now the church grew and eventually decided they need to move to maybe a better location than over by Coon Lake where they were at. And so uh, they bought this property, and in 1971, they built that part in the sanctuary in the, where the nursery is and the prayer room. That was the sanctuary in 1971. They built it. Um, and then somewhere in the 80s, 1980s, they built this wonderful place. And then sometime later, they added on that activity center across the parking lot. All of this, in essence, was the sacrifice of the people to maintain the teaching of the gospel and to maintain Sunday school so that the children could be taught the Holy Scriptures. Now, just so you don't get nervous in your seat, we're not going on any kind of building project. I'm not going to ask you to sacrifice. That's not what this is about. This is about just reminding us of where we've come from. And there's been a lot of people that have blazed the trail for Crossroads Church. 120 years of people. I heard this quote a while ago, and I can't remember off the top of my head who said it, but uh, this person said, celebrate the past. It tells us who we are. So let's celebrate the past. Okay, we can learn about who we are. Live in the present because this is who you've become. This is who we've become right now. This is who we are. So let's live here. And then prepare for the future because that's who we will become. So today, as we talk about the vision of Crossroad Church, I want us to make sure that we continue to celebrate our past. Because it's who we are. It's not part of our DNA as a church. We don't just throw it away. It, sure, there's a lot of imperfect things from the past. But let me tell you, there was many, 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 there are many stories of God working in profound and powerful ways through the people that were here. I mean, what else can it be other than God working through the people that are here? That we are here. This is just, these facilities are a representation of what God was doing in that time. So let's celebrate the past. But then, then let's, let's live now. Let's not be so focused on the future that we don't forget to live now. And then let's figure out how to prepare as we move forward. There's a familiar passage in Proverbs about vision. This is found in Proverbs 29, 18, and it says this. Where there is no revelation or vision, people cast off restraint, but blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instructions. Other translations uh, put this a little differently, like, this one here is the NIV, but if you go to the ESV, it says this, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint, but blessed is he who keeps the law. This word for revelation or vision is, is the Hebrew word chazon. You've got to make sure you get that in your throat, chazon. It's not, it's not calzone, so don't get hungry. It's chazon. Uh, this, this word means vision, or it means revelation or dream. It can even mean prophecy. 
And there's a root word in here, and that's chazah, and that means to see or to perceive. So where there is no ability for the people to see or perceive what the future is, the people will cast off restraint. Now, the Young's literal translation takes that last part, the people cast off restraint, and says, without vision, is a people made naked. But the reality is, the word for casting off restraint is, in essence, it's to untie, it's to release, it's to let go, it's to make naked. So, in essence, people without a vision, without the ability to perceive or see the future, it's like a group of people running around naked. How bad is that, right? Especially today, yes. Might, might be a little, little chilly. But blessed is he who keeps the law. Or as the NIV said, we read earlier, heeds wisdom's instruction. The Hebrew word here, the law, is Torah. And Torah, as we know, is the name of the first five books of the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Now, for us, when we see blessed is he who keeps the law, our Western mindset goes to following rules. That's what keeping the law feels like. There's the law. It's a bunch of rules, so you've got to follow them. And so we, we get this mindset, okay, if I follow all the rules correctly, then I'm going to be blessed or I'm going to be happy. But the Torah is seen like, uh, it's like shooting an arrow. The Torah is all about giving direction. So the, the root word in there for Torah is to cast or to throw. It is, in, in my Hebrew dictionary, it, it says it is like shooting an arrow. So the Torah is like, let's shoot that arrow. That's, that's where you go. See, that? that's the direction you move towards. It's less about following the rules. God laid out in the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the way the people of Israel should go. This is how you should live your life. So to heed wisdom's instruction or to keep the law, to keep Torah, is to follow the arrow that Yahweh has shot. Do you see how that combines with the first part of that verse about where there's no vision, where there's no ability to see people cast off strength? But if you, in essence, then see the vision where God is pointing you, Torah, you're going to be blessed. You're going to be happy. So the question is what is the vision that God has given you? What is the vision God has given us? And why is vision so important? Well, there's a couple of reasons why vision is important. The first reason why vision is important is it gives us focus. As a person, when you have vision, you know exactly who you are, why you're here, what your purpose in life so you know, hey, this is, this, is, this is my direction. In Mark Men for Christ, we have our mission statement, which is similar to a vision. In that mission statement, we, we, we say, as a Mark Men for Christ, and then we, we tell about our own, personal, our own personal mission, what we feel God has called us to, and the mission we are on, it gives us this picture of, of a vision of where we're going. And then part of the question we ask each other is, are you on mission? Oh, yeah, I am on a mission. Or maybe I'm not. 
And so vision, mission, it, it keeps, it gives you focus. And also, not only does it show you where to go, it shows you that you can say no to things. It shows you where you can say no. That's, that's not my vision. That's not what God has called me to do. So I don't even have to worry about it. I can say no. Vision is also important because it gives you endurance. When God gives you a vision, it's not an easy vision. It requires sacrifice. It requires change. It requires setting aside your own agenda, not my will, but yours being done, to serve and follow after God's vision. John 16, 33, Jesus says this, In this world, you will have trouble. So there's a guarantee, okay? You're going to experience trouble in this world. James 1, count it all joy when you face trials of many kinds. So it's not if you have trials or trying to avoid trials. It's what do we do when trials come? Because trials will come. And having a vision gives you endurance to go through the good times and the bad times. Vision also gives you peace. How many of you know people who are racked with anxiety? Sometimes, and not all the time, but sometimes that anxiety comes from they're not, they don't have a sense of direction, a sense of vision of where to go and how to go. And so having a vision, knowing who you are and what God has called you to, gives you peace. As a church, if we know the direction that God has given us and called us to, that means no matter what's going on in the world outside of us, or no matter what necessarily we see with our physical eyes here inside, we can just go, oh, we're at peace. Why? Because we know what God has called us to, and that's what we're moving for. And the last thing that vision gives you is passion. All the great people in this world who have accomplished much have passion. And there's nothing more amazing to see happen is when somebody has a vision from the Lord and they move forward with passion. It's amazing. This, this is why we talked so much last fall about our spiritual gifts and our passions and our talents. And it, it's why we will continue to have these conversations because when you know how God has made you and your gifts and your talents, you're able to move forward with passion. Here at Crossroads Church, five years ago, we went through a year-long process of developing our core values and our mission and our vision. We did this together as a body, so it wasn't just me or me and the elders coming and saying, here's our mission and vision. We did it as a body, and so we came up with We discerned our mission. Our mission, which you've heard us talk about, is impacting people with the love of Jesus on the journey of life. And this is our promise to the world around us. This is the way we want to live. We want to live in such a way that we're impacting people with with the love of Jesus. We recognize that, that this is the only way we can have an impact on our community, is we love them well and we love them like Jesus loves us. Our vision, which is our preferred future, this is what we're striving towards, is this, a Christ-centered, faith-filled community being transformed as we encounter God's love, being equipped to serve according to the Spirit's gifting, being intentional participants to God's restorative work, giving glory to God in all things. This is, this is what we're looking for. This is what we want to be. And I just kind of want to walk through our vision. Our vision isn't changing. It isn't. 
It's the same vision we've had for the last five years. I just want to take and remind us and do two things this morning. I want to show us where we're already beginning to see our vision come into fruition and where we want to go in the next year, in the next couple of years. First of all, the first part there says a Christ-centered, faith-filled community. Why is this so important? Because Christ is preeminent. There is no one or nothing more important than Jesus. We read from Paul in Ephesians 2 where it says, God raised Jesus, not just from the dead, but He raised Him from the dead and then kept raising Him and seated Him at the right hand of God the Father far above all rule and authority. Jesus is on the throne. Then Paul says this crazy thing when you get to chapter 4 of Ephesians. He says, God raised you and me up with Christ and seated us with Christ at the right hand of God the Father. Yes, woohoo! This is why we want to be a Christ-centered, faith-filled community. Because you and I have been seated at the right hand of the Father with Christ. And God made Christ the head over all things, Paul says, for the church. If Christ is head over all things for us, then we need to be Christ-centered. Right? Seems pretty simple. Faith-filled community is recognizing that it, this is, we want to live as a community, not by our flesh, not by how our own wise wisdom and our own way of thinking. We, we want to put our faith in Christ and who He is and what He is doing. So we want to be a community that's filled with faith in Christ, who is seated at the right hand of God the Father. That's who we want to be. And we break that down into these next three things. First, being transformed as we encounter God's love. We, we recognize that our transformation only happens as we encounter God and His love. That's the only way it happens. It's out of His great love for us that Christ died. It's why our mission statement is we want to impact people with the love of Jesus on the journey of life. We recognize that unless we love really well people around us and we demonstrate the love of God through our lives, people will not experience or be transformed. It's a crazy thing. But God gave us the job of loving people. Paul says it this way. In, um, he, he says, We have been reconciled to God through Christ. And then He made us ministers of reconciliation. So we are to bring people to Christ. So that Christ can reconcile them to God. And the way we do that is by loving them well. Think about how Jesus responded to people. What did he do? He went and hung out with prostitutes and tax collectors. Ate with them. Sat with them. Loved them. That's what we need to do. We need to love people. Okay? So that means we, ourselves, need to be transformed. So my question for you is, are you being transformed as you encounter God's love? Are you changing? Are you closer in your relationship with God today than you were a year ago, five years ago? Are you being transformed? Paul tells us that we are to 
no longer conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Paul tells us in Colossians, he says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Get that picture. Clothe yourselves. Put it on. This is how we encounter God's love. We put on compassion, kindness, humility, and gentleness. And as we live this out, we encounter people and love them, and then they are transformed. Paul says, bear with each other. That means help each other carry each other's burdens. If something's going, somebody's going through a really rough time, walk alongside with them. Help them carry their burdens. That's how people are encounter God's love, when we help them. And then Paul says this crazy thing, forgive one another. Forgive as the Lord forgives. That's how we encounter God's love. If somebody offends you, and before they even ask for forgiveness, you go, I forgive you. They encounter the love of God, and they are transformed. In the past, Crossroads has a history of loving people well. I've, over the short time that I've been here, I've heard so many stories. Even from past pastors who've been here that I know and talking about this place and how they've loved people well. Presently, I see you. I see you loving others really well. Yeah, there's moments we all, you know, have a, you know, we all have rough days, right? But I see you loving people well. I hear people say, this is my home. This is my family. And that happens when they're being loved well. And they are experiencing transformation because they're encountering God's love. In the future, I want us to not only love each other well, I, re- I want us to really be intentional of loving our community well. Picture with me. Picture with me for a moment. Picture me, Columbus. Forest Lake, East Bethel, Wyoming, Scandia. Imagine those communities experiencing change because we as a people went out into our neighborhoods, into our communities, and we just loved people well. We went to them bringing compassion and kindness, bearing each other burdens and forgiving people. Imagine that. Picture that. We want to see our world transformed. It's not going to happen by getting our guy in the office as president. It's not going to happen by changing the laws. Trust me. It's, we've, we've got uh, 200 years of experience in that. It's going to happen when the church moves out of its building, and begins to love the community really, really well. The second part is being equipped to serve according to the Spirit's gifting. We did a whole series on this this last fall about our, the gifting of the Holy Spirit. So I'm not going to dive deep into this this morning, uh, but just a reminder that you are gifted by God through the Holy Spirit. You have giftings. You are unique and you are needed in this body, and it is our job as a church to equip you to go and do ministry. If you have the gift of mercy, we are to equip you so that you can Pour mercy on people and do it well. If you have the gift of teaching, it's our job to equip you so you can teach well. Whatever the gifting is, it's our job to equip. The church, in general here in the West, 
failed at this in the 1900s. We began to hire professional equippers. You have a senior pastor, an associate pastor, a youth pastor, a worship pastor, a children's pastor, and we bring our kids to church and we drop them off and we say, you equip them. Barn has done a whole bunch of studies out and that model has failed miserably. Here's the reality is when it comes to our kids, parents, it's your responsibility to equip your kids. We are here to assist you, and we are here to equip you to do your job. I know that's hard. It's a harsh word. Because we all like, you know, the crazy fun youth ministry and children's ministry, and we'll do fun things. We want to have fun, right? But we need to equip our parents to equip and teach their kids. And... It's our job as adults to equip each other to do the ministry that God has called us to do. Dallas Willard has this great quote. He says this, Non-discipleship is the elephant in the church. It is not that It is not the many moral failures, the financial abuses, or amazing general similarity between Christians and non-Christians These are only the effects of the underlying problem. Non-discipleship, non-equipping. That's what the church 120 years ago meant by we want to teach, maintain the teaching of the gospel, and we want to maintain Sunday school to teach our kids Scripture. In the past... Crossroads has a history of raising up people to serve. They do have a history of teaching and equipping. There are stories of many people who have left here and gone into full-time ministry. There are many people that, are, that have gone out into our community and served. In the present, we have made an adjustment. We want to be, we want to be much more te- intentional in that equipping. We've been adjusting over the last six months to a year where we are helping you discover your spiritual gifts. We're going to have training and equipping as we move forward, and that brings us to the future. We want to be a place where everybody knows their gifting, their passion, and they're equipped to go and do ministry, whether it's here in the body or in the community. Imagine with me If there are people who have the gift of mercy and they're not only loving people well here in the body, but they are going into our schools, going into our communities, and they're showing mercy, they're bringing the kingdom of God by showing mercy to people. What if there are people who have the gift of leadership and they're stepping into places in our community, in schools or or the city council, or and, and it's not to get their agenda through, it's just to use their leadership gifts, bring the kingdom of God into the community so that change would become began to happen. What would it be like if we had evangelists? Who are equipped? We, we got some of you evangelists in this room. I know that. I know who you are. And I know you're already doing it. But what, what if we kept equipping more and more evangelists to go into our community? What would that be like? Our dream is to be an equipping hub where people come get trained, and then they go out into the community and they change the world. They bring the kingdom of God into the world. The last thing here on our thing is being intentional participants in God's restorative work. Let me remind you that what God is doing today is bringing restoration to the world. 
In fact, he's been trying to do that since Adam and Eve ate from the tree. It's been his goal ever since then, his restoration. Jesus came, and we know Jesus quoted Isaiah 61, that he came to bring good news to the poor, bind up the brokenhearted, set the captives free. That's all about restoration. And then in verse 4 of 61, we are to rebuild, restore, renew the devastated area. So, you and I have been restored, and now we are supposed to go into the world around us and bring that restoration. We are, again, as I said earlier, ministers of reconciliation. There's a pastor named Henry Blackaby, and he talks all the time about God is at work, and our job is to see where's God at work and then to partner with Him in His work. And that's what's behind this, being intentional participants. We already know God's at the, in the work job of restoration. He's already doing it, so we don't have to try to figure it out. We just have to, hey God, where are you working? Okay, we're going to help you. Now, restoration comes when we bring repentance and forgiveness into the world. And Pastor Chris talked about this a couple of weeks ago when she talked about keys to freedom. You see, our, our vision is to partner with God in His restoration. But let, let me remind you of what way, way in the beginning of today, just quickly, Torah, shooting an arrow, kind of saying, here's the direction you go. What, what is sin? Sin is not... Just that, oh, I lied. Sin is missing the mark. Torah has showed us where to go. We've missed the mark. Repentance is turning back to Torah, to God. You see that? It's, It's that simple. So restoration, partnering with God in his restorative work is first going, huh, am I still in line? Is there an error of my life where I am missing the mark? It may not be bad right now, but I, if, if I continue on this journey, you know how angles work, right? I may not be bad off right here, but if I keep on this journey, The farther I go without correction, the farther I get away. So am I restored? Is there an area in my life that I need to confess and seek His forgiveness? The same is for a church. For a body of believers. We as a church, we can get off mark. And, just so you know, in 120 years of existence, Crossroads has gotten off mark a couple of times. It's just the way it goes. And they've gotten back on track again through repentance and forgiveness. So in the past, Crossroads has always been looking to God and wanting to participate with God in His restorative work. They've partnered with ministries outside like tapestries and going to Kanshuk and different outreach things in this area and partnered with local ministries. Today, we, we are intentional participants. We, we're participating with God in just what, is, what does it look like for us and how do we structure church. It's it's our leadership. We are intentional as, as a leadership going, God, where are you at work? It's, it's Mark meant for Christ where men gather together and they're going, hey, I, I'm not on mission right now. I need a course correction. I need restoration. And they're inviting other men into that. It's our rooted small groups which remind you, you can sign up. If you haven't been through rooted, you can sign up today. It starts this week. Uh, rooted is, is another opportunity where you're going like, hey, through Rooted, I, ooh, I'm, I'm a little off, and so I'm going to need a little course correction. It's our youth and children's ministry. We're partnering with local 
organizations today. It's, it's Fair for All, which we promoted. It's, it's, they came to us, and now it, it's a food to help people in need, and it's right here. If you know a family that is in need of food, you don't have to go to the grocery store and shop and try to figure out. You, you just come here on a Friday, buy a couple of boxes. It's already boxed. We're part, God brought it here. That's His restoring work. Helping Hands, our food shelf. We, we partner with them in helping those in our community who are, are poor and need food or are homeless. Lakes Life Care Center working with pregnant young moms in the future. We want to continue to partner with God in what He's doing. Let me tell you a, a crazy story. Probably, I don't know, a year or so ago, we in the leadership realized that we really at this point don't have the manpower to try and start new ministries. So we began to ask God, where are you at work and how can we partner with you? That's when Fair for All came. That's when, you know, the helping hands and other things. Just the other day, uh, we had two people from Columbus Lions stop by the church and they're like, hey, we were talking, and we're trying to figure out how we help people in need in the Columbus area, and we thought, we should go talk to Crossroads. So Pastor Chris met with them and talked to them for a little while. I've been emailing with them. I'm going to their next Lions meeting next Wednesday night. Um, and they're like, hey, we're not quite sure how to do this. Do you have any ideas? Going, um, yeah. And I know some people too. But this is what I mean. This is what it looks like for me partnering with God in His restorative work. Yes, Lions is not a church. But how cool of it if we partner with the Lions, demonstrate the love of God, use our spiritual gifts. And partner with God in what He's doing in this community. Imagine what can happen. In the future, uh, we're right now, um, we're, we're not trying to start new things. Not even new outreaches. We're not. We don't have the manpower. But we are going, okay, God, bring it to our doorstep. And we will say yes. And God has been doing it. And I want us as a church to continue to do it. That's why um, we had Patty and Heidi up here about Uganda last week. It just seems like God has brought this ministry to Uganda on our steps. How are we to say yes to that? And the last thing on here is giving glory to God in all things, and that's pretty self-explanatory. We, we just... Columbus Lions comes to us. Oh, thank you, God. Glory to you for doing that. Fair for all in our backyard. Thank you, Father. Glory to you. Uganda, glory to you. Tapestries, glory to you. Anything and everything that God does, glory to Him. So in conclusion... Uh, we need to continue to pray together. Sunday mornings before church, Wednesday nights, we are gathered together to pray. We pray for our vision, pray for our community. We need to work together. We need to move forward together. Uh, we need to pray together regarding our vision. I, I, you can go to our website and get our vision and our core values. I ask that you get this and you pray for this on a regular basis. That this, this becomes who we are. And we need to do it together. So the strongest horse, and I'm going to use this illustration to close, the strongest horse is the Belgian draft horse. A Belgian draft horse, a lone dra Belgian draft horse, can pull around 8,000 pounds. That's four tons. 
right? How many pounds do you think two Belgian horses together can pull? It would be, seem right to say 16,000 pounds, right? Just double it. Eight tons. Uh, but you're wrong. If you take two Belgian horses, raise them together, train them together, so that they learn to pull together, 32,000 pounds. Four times. My point is, this is our vision. I can't do it alone. Our elders can't do it alone. Other people who are leading different areas can't do it alone. We need to do it together. And trust me, Jesus took 12 men and they transformed a world in 300 years. Imagine if we together become a Christ-centered, faith-filled community, being transformed as we encounter God's love, being equipped to serve according to the Spirit's gifting, being intentional participant in God's restorative work, giving glory to God in all things. I'm just going to close in prayer, Eric. So let's stand and pray. At the end of the service, we will have some, our, a couple of our prayer ministers are going to be up here, and I just want to invite you to come up. If you're at a place where maybe you need restoration, that maybe in the course of this message, you, God pointed to you and said, hey, you're a little off mark here, and you just need somebody to pray for you, they will listen and pray for you. So just come on up here after the service, and they would be more than willing to do that. So let's pray. Father, I am so thankful for the work that you are doing in and through Crossroads Church. I thank you that you have been doing it for 120 years through this local body. Glory and honor are yours. Father, we, we desire to participate with you in your restorative act, in your process of restoration. So show us, empower us, equip us, and as the early church pray, we, we pray that you would give us boldness to proclaim your good news. And then we pray that you, Father, would stretch forth your hand and that you would do signs and wonders and miracles and healing for your glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go in peace.